0: So we'll just look at things for a few moments tonight at a message I call Turning Rage into Revival. Psalm 39 and 1, I said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred up. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned, and then I spoke with my tongue. (laughs) Psalm 39. Uh, Just reading this far along in the psalm, you know this one is going to be a good one. uh, Because we identify very well with the statements the psalmist makes. We know what it's like to want to say something and to have that just burning inside of us. We even call it uh, flaming somebody. The kids talk about it these days. Burn, we say. Burn. Yeah. That's when we give them that real quick retort that just cuts them down. Burn. Oh, yeah, you got them. That's what happens when we've got the fire inside and we turn it loose. Now, I want you to think with me for a moment because I've had a head start on you. I've been able to think about this for a while. And uh, I've tried to think back at any time that I've ever held that in and regretted it. There have been a lot of times I've turned it loose and regretted it. Have any of you had that experience? But I tried really hard to look back on a time when I bit my tongue, as we say. I held it back. I badly wanted to say something. And I don't know about you, but kind of like the psalmist... I was pretty well nigh to convincing myself that it needed to be said. Hmm? You ever been there? That's what he said. I held my peace, even from good. Well, we're going to see tonight as the psalmist uh, went through, and, and just very quickly, we're going to see how that he went on this journey. When his heart was burning When he was musing, thinking about what was being said. And he said nothing. But then he said something. And it will be interesting to see what he said. At the end of it, we're going to see how he turned that time of rage. When he was boiling on the inside. Into a time of revival. If we can learn how to do that, then we can have a lot of revival in our life. So tonight, I want us to see how this played out. And the first one is, of course, that we have to recognize the danger. And and that's what the psalmist said right up front in verse 1. He said, I will guard my ways. I will guard my ways. And I think that's one of the first things that we have to learn if we're ever going to be able to turn that time of rage and resentment and anger, when we've got that hot, bitter retort that's just dying to get out, if we're ever going to get past that and get into a situation then where God can use us, then we're going to have to recognize the danger that we're in when we feel that blood rushing into our head and that anger is in our hearts. You know, anger in itself is not a sin. I've I've said this before. We know that because Jesus got angry, God gets angry, God doesn't sin, Jesus didn't sin, so anger in and of itself is not a sin. In fact, we know today because we have studied so many things uh, that anger is part of what we call the fight or flight response that God gives us. Uh, When we're in danger or when we're feeling threatened, We have the ability then to react with anger or we can react with terror. Uh, We can run or we can fight. Both of those things are equipped in us and and we get that adrenaline surge to make that go. And anger is a part of that. There is such a thing as righteous anger. We know that again because Jesus was angry. Uh, There are some things that happen in our world that it's impossible for us to consider without feeling angry. Uh, You see somebody abusing a child. It's going to make you angry. And you're going to respond with that. But we need to understand as well that there is a danger in that. And the psalmist recognized it here. He said, I will guard my ways lest I sin. You know, the Bible says, be you angry and what? Sin not. I preached on this uh, last week, so we're not going to go back into it again. But be angry and do not sin. There is something about anger <clears throat> that uh, turns loose the flesh if we're not careful. And so when the psalmist felt this all, I'm not sure what it is that set him off. We, we have no idea. I mean, he was a king. <laughs> he, could, he could face something every day. Every day could bring something that would fire him up. Somebody saying something. Somebody doing something. Somebody not saying something. Somebody not doing what they were supposed to do. Uh, the possibilities are endless of all the things that could have fired him up. But as he felt that, he also felt that responsibility to pray to God. God, I want to guard myself. I've got to be careful. He understood why the wicked were before him. You understand tonight that there's never any uh, shortage uh, of the wicked who would be before us. And you also know that here we are as God's people... And there are some people, the wicked, godless people who don't know God, who would like nothing more than to stir us up and see us, as they put it, lose our religion. They love it. They love to press our buttons. The psalmist knew that too. There were wicked people around, and they would like nothing more than to see him just lose it and blow up and do something foolish so he says, I shut it down. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I have to say, just looking at this, uh, I, I had to think it. And I'll say it to you tonight. I, I wonder what was coming out of his eyes. <laughs> he was the king, after all. He said, I didn't say anything. You can say a lot without saying anything. So he was mute with silence. He held my peace, even from good. There were good things perhaps that he could have said, but he didn't say, verse 2 says, my sorrow was stirred up. Now something else has entered the picture. Another emotion has come on the scene. Where before it was anger, and, he's, and that anger is still there. But now he feels sorrow as well. Sometimes the first step in moving from rage to revival is being able to feel a bit of empathy for that person who's standing before you. They might be lost as the proverbial goose headed to hell. They don't know what they're doing, they don't know what they're saying. Yes, they mean it for harm, but maybe harm is all they know. Can we feel a little empathy? Who knows what kind of pain that person might be going through. And so along with the anger, though his heart was still hot within him, his his sorrow, a little bit of empathy was in his heart as well. While I was musing about it. While my heart was really still hot. My sorrow was stirred. I held my peace. So he's recognized the danger. And he's given us some good experience to follow. What's next? Then I spoke. What did he say? Verse 4. Lord, make me to know my end. What is the measure of my days? That I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadth. My age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but vapor. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. So here's this person who has fired him up before him. The wicked who stood before him, he has a heart burning with a hot retort, but he holds it in. As he thought on these things, as he mused it his, on it, his heart was burning, his soul was disquieted, he, he felt sympathy a little bit for that person, but after he had held his peace for a moment, it was time for him to speak. And what did he talk about? Himself. Himself. The second step then in turning rage into revival Is remembering our own deficiencies You see it, it's real easy to get all caught up in what this person is That's before us and what this person has done And what this person has said or what they haven't done Or all the things and the possibilities We could call down the fire from heaven on them. We could. We could turn it loose on them. And make us feel like it was the right thing to do. But instead the psalmist began to think about himself. About how weak he was. How frail he was. How short his life is. That's a good thing to think about. When you're in this situation. How does that play out for us in a practical way? It's a good time for us to ask ourselves the question. Is this worth a a day of my life? (laughs) Is this worth a week of my life? I get mad at this person and saying, Is this really how I want to spend one of those precious days God gave me? Help me Lord to remember. How frail I am. Remember, Lord, that uh, I might be the one firing somebody else up next time. It might be me that's messed up. I've messed up before. Help me to know the measure of my days. Help me to know how frail I am. How short my life is. How my age is as nothing before you, O God. Certainly every man at his best state is but a vapor. What is he thinking about? Before the eternal God. Here we stand with our three score and ten or maybe four score or a few more. But compared to the eternal God, here we are with our short lifespan and we've got a whole life worth a lesson to learn <laughs> and not much time to learn it in. About the time we start to get it all figured out, they say, and, and get it all together, we forget where we put it and uh and we've got to start all over again. Here we are. I've learned it. Yeah, but man, I forgot it. And uh, I, and now I'm, I'm just, I don't feel like doing anything about it. It just, uh, our days are short. Aren't you glad we've got an eternal God to appeal to? God, you know. You know what the solution to all this. You know what needs to be done. I'm, here I am walking about like a shadow. And I busy myself in vain laying up treasures and I don't even know who's going to come behind me and gather them. I don't even know. So what am I waiting for? God, my hope is in you. What a great section this is. As a psalmist has that burning desire, he recognizes then the danger. And when he speaks, he speaks to remember his own deficiency. Ah, there's been a lot of times that I've wanted to pray those imprecatory prayers. Imprecatory is not a word we use every day. But if you read the Psalms, many of the Psalms are what we call imprecatory. What that means is is that the psalmist is calling on God to get these people who are giving him a hard time. He's calling down the judgment of God on these people. His enemies. And you'll see them many, many times over the Psalms. And and rightly so. Remember, David was God's anointed. He not only was a spiritual leader for the nation, but he was also the political leader. And he had many, many political enemies. And by opposing him, they literally were opposing the will of God and the leadership of God. And so he cried out, and rightly so, God, stop them. Stop this plot. Look at what they're doing. How long will you let them continue? I don't know if you've ever prayed a prayer like that on somebody else or not. I had a good friend, and I hope she's not watching. She wouldn't mind. She had what she called her 20-pound prayer. (laughs) She says, you better be careful. I'll pray that the Lord lets you gain 20 pounds. That's it. I'll pray my 20-pound prayer on you. Well, there's been a few times, I must confess, when I've wanted to pray down the thunder on somebody else. But nothing takes the starch out of our sails more than thinking about all the times we've messed up, how many times we've failed, how many times that we've been the person on the offending side. Third thing, then, is to reverence our Deliverer. Psalm 39 and 8, Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. I was mute. I did not open my mouth, because it was you who did it. All oh, those times, you see, there was a reason why I asked you that question. Have you ever held something in and not said it and regretted it? And I couldn't think of a time. A lot of times I've regretted turning it loose. But I can't think of a time that I held it back and ended up regretting it. That's too easy to fix, to be honest with you. <laughs> If we hold something back and we decide later that it should have been said, then it's real easy to go back and say it. And guess what? We let that anger kind of cool down a little bit, and we might even be able to follow the truth of Scripture, which says to speak the truth how? In love. In love and with grace. Let your speech be seasoned with grace. So that it might minister then God's grace to the hearer. That's an easy thing to rectify when we hold it in. And we said, well, it needs to be said. Well, we can do that. But let's remember, when we do hold it in, it is God who does it. It's perhaps a good moment for us to remind ourselves that we don't have to say everything we think. Well, preacher, I speak my mind. Yeah, that's what the psalmist was thinking about. Well, if I'm going to think it, I might as well say it. The psalmist did not make that decision. And we don't have to say everything we think. We don't. Some things should never be said. And certainly, if they are going to be said, they need to be said very carefully. The psalmist gave God the credit... For being able to close this. For putting a muzzle on him when he needed a muzzle. God did it. Not me. God did it. And so as we think about all the things that God does for us. And my how we praise him. Don't we praise him for all that he's done? We don't praise him enough. I'm not saying that. But we do praise Him for what He's done. But from time to time, maybe we ought to stop and just reflect and praise God for all the things He's kept us from doing. Because He has kept us from a bunch of stuff. One of the things that He prayed, taught us to pray for, was for God to what? Deliver us from evil. Deliver me from evil. Lead me in the paths of righteousness for thy name's sake. I was mute. I did not open my mouth because it was you who did it. We reverence our deliverer. And that brings us then to that last thing that he talks about. And that's how he repented then in order to experience revival. He started off all mad. But he recognized the danger. He reflected on how then that God was at work in this. And he moved on then now to a time of repentance. Remove your plague from me, verse 10. I am consumed by the blow of your hand. When with rebukes you correct man for iniquity, you make his beauty melt away like a moth. Surely every man is vapor. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my what? My tears. For I am a stranger with you, a sojourner, as all my fathers were. Remove your gaze from me that I may regain strength before I go away and am no more. Just a couple of thoughts on this section and we'll be done. Uh, The psalmist refers to himself as a stranger and a sojourner. What that means is a traveler. A traveler. So when he thinks about his relationship with God, he says, I'm a stranger with you and a sojourner as my fathers were. He's describing how that he's always on a journey. And you and I understand that we want to walk with the Lord. How many times does the Bible talk about how important it is to walk with the Lord? That's a journey. We're walking with the Lord. He is a light unto our path. He's a a lamp unto our feet. He is showing us where to go. He is walking with us. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, I gave you that passage this morning. We have fellowship one with another. We're walking with the Lord. We're on a journey with the Lord. Uh, But it's possible, the psalmist says, for me to go away. And be no more. He wasn't talking about eternally losing his salvation. That wasn't what he was talking about at all. That's that's not in, in his heart. What he is talking about is the possibility that in his anger, in his resentment, that he had let this thing build in his heart until he had walked away from his fellowship with God. Jesus told the story about two boys that left their father's house. One of them we call the prodigal son. (laughs) But that prodigal son came back to the father's house. That was the younger son. The other prodigal, also the older son, he left his father's house too. What happened to him? The younger son came back and repented and said, God, I've sinned again Uh, to his father. I've sinned against heaven and again in your sight. I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. And all the father hugged him up, put the ring on his finger and the robe on him, killed the fatted calf for him. But the older brother left too. What happened to him? We don't know. You see, it's possible for a person maybe to leave the Father's house but then come back. But then it's possible to get so caught up in this, the psalmist said that I would go away and I'd be just gone. Remove your gaze from me, he said. He's talking about that eye of hostility that God would have. That eye that would look at him in resentment and reprove him and rebuke him. But instead he is on his knees before God crying, weeping, begging God do not be silent at my tears. You know what God does when we do that? We don't have to wonder. Because the Bible tells us a broken and contrite spirit, O God, thou wilt not despise. When we come to God in repentance, yeah, call before Him, fall before Him in confession, you know what we get? Revival <laughs> every time. What an interesting psalm this is for us tonight. Starts out with him all mad, fired up at somebody else. But it ends up with him on his knees before God. What a journey that is. And it's one we all need to take from time to time. All full of indignation over how somebody else is acting. Then God breaks our heart over how we've acted. I don't know what you need to do with this message tonight. I know what I needed to do with it. I've repented. (laughs) I tell you, it's so easy to get fired up. It is. But thank God He can move us toward revival.